It's time for Talk Law Radio with Todd Marquardt. Todd Marquardt, attorney at law in Texas. If you're a millionaire or a thousandaire, Talk Law Radio is now on the air. Call in with your business law question, your elder law question. Veteran aid, Medicaid, build a business to get paid. 210-308-8867. Or ask a question online at marquardlawfirm.com. That's M-A-R-Q-U-A-R-D-T, lawfirm.com. And now, it's Talk Law Radio with Todd Marquardt. And welcome to Talk Law Radio with your host, Todd Marquardt, sponsored by Marquardt Law Firm. I'm Christiana Viegas, co-host and event planner from Marquardt Law Firm, and we're here today with Todd Marquardt. So, Todd, what's our mission for Talk Law Radio? The mission of Talk Law Radio is to help you discover your legal issue blind spots by listening to me. Talk about the law on the radio. The State Bar of Texas is the state agency that governs our law license. The State Bar wants attorneys to inform the public about the law, but does not want us to attempt to solve your individual legal problems upon the basis of general information. Instead, contact an attorney like Marquardt Law Firm to discuss the specific facts and circumstances of your unique situation. Before we get started talking about the law, let's begin with prayer. Absolutely. Dear God, thank you for this day and for all the gifts and blessings that you give to us. Please forgive us for our sins, our mistakes, for doing the wrong thing or failing to do your will. Please help those who are grieving the loss of a loved one. Please help those who have not yet lost a loved one and help them to get their affairs in order. Please help Christiana and me give good information to the listeners about the law today. Help us to use the gifts and talents you have provided for the good of your people, for our own good, and for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You know, Todd, every morning it feels like a blessing that we can come here on the show. So what laws are we going to be discussing for today's episode? We're going to be talking about probate. Uh, Number one, what must be done after someone dies? Two, what two things have to happen in order for a will to be useful? What is probate? What does a typical probate with a will look like? And what does a typical probate without a will look like? And can we bypass probate? Well, if you want to be able to get a probate self-assessment to figure out if you need to go through it, you can call our office and leave a voicemail at 210-530-4278. That's 210-530-4278. We'll get right back to you on Monday and we'll help you send out that probate self-assessment. So, Todd... I've heard that Benjamin Franklin is known for a lot of his quotes, early to bed, early to rise, but do you know what are two things certain about this world? Yeah, he said that the only two things certain about this world were death and taxes. (laughs) And sometimes it just feels like those can be combined into one. Yeah, sometimes you get taxed to death. So that brings up the question, what must be done when somebody passes away? Well, there are some things that 
uh, are almost universal to everybody. Number one, call the funeral home or the police and uh, attend the funeral. But before you leave the house, make sure it's locked. Absolutely. Unfortunately, uh, some people, if you don't see them at the funeral, they're probably at the deceased person's house cleaning it out. So you want to make sure that the property is secure. Then, of course, you'll have to pay for the funeral, and sometimes that's a challenge. Next, you'll want to contact an attorney to probate the will. Then, you'll want to collect the the deceased person's income and any proceeds from life insurance or retirement accounts. Next, we call it marshalling the assets, which means... You're just going to try and find all the deceased person's assets and collect them and make an inventory of them. Then, generally speaking, you'll pay the bills, including taxes, medical expenses, and legal fees. Lastly, you'll know you're finished when you're distributing whatever's left to the beneficiaries. That sounds like a lot of work. It is. Uh, So... If you want to make it easier for your beneficiaries, you want to make sure and see a good estate planning attorney like Todd Marquardt or Brittany Lastician at Marquardt Law Firm. And if you need to get directions of where to find us, you can call us and leave a voicemail at 210-530-4278. We always check our voicemails, so don't be afraid to call. Okay, so we're talking about probate and... It always includes an estate, and many people think of an estate as a big mansion on the hill with a garage full of exotic cars, but really, estate is anything you or I own, even if it's just your favorite pair of boots. The estate in Texas is defined as a decedent's property, including real property such as estates and interests in land whether corporal or incorporal, whether legal or equitable, including personal property such as goods, money, a chosen action, an evidence of debt, a real chattel, and digital assets. Digital assets? Now we're really getting into the new age. (laughs) Yeah, everything on that list is super archaic except for digital assets. That's new. So digital assets include... Uh, your Facebook account, your email account, any website where you store information, photos, or music. So, in order to probate your estate, hopefully you have an estate plan. So we'll, we'll briefly review what is an estate plan. I tell everybody it's more than just a bank account. It's more than just a legal document like a last will or living trust. It also includes a written analysis of what you did and how your affairs should be wrapped up. Well, that is also why it's called the last will and testament then, isn't it? That's right, because it's the last thing. But what two things have to happen in order for the will to be useful? You have to sign it. Well, that's one thing, but what I was thinking of is, number one, you have to die. Oh. And number two, a judge must look at the will to decide whether it's valid and determine whether the person nominated to be executor 
actually qualifies to be executor. But why does the courts have to get involved in this if it's just a family issue? Well, the court has to look at the will. You you might remember a famous person named Howard Hughes. Uh, He was the famous test pilot, and it's rumored that he had many wills, and it took 20 years for his estate to be probated because they had to determine whether each will was valid. So some studies show that 7% of wills are invalid. Other studies show 9%. So we know that some percentage of wills out there are going to be invalid, and the court is going to be the one to decide that. So then what is probate? Well, in Texas, it's defined as uh, probate matter, probate proceedings, proceeding in probate, and proceedings for probate. They're synonymous. There are seven different court actions that can occur within a proceeding relating to a decedent's estate. Simply put, the term probate comes from the Latin word probare, which means to test or prove. One purpose of probate is to prove the validity of the will. For the judge to make an official certification proving that the will is real. So why must the judge look at the will? Well, because some wills are invalid and we need for the judge to make that declaration that says that yours is valid. And one of my favorite things to do over the past few years is to probate the internet wills um, because there's always something wrong with them. Wait, what about that legal Zoom website? I thought that one was legit. I can't tell you whether all of that website's wills are legit, so to speak, um, but I have probated one of those wills, and uh, the legal fees for just one of the parties in that matter was upwards of $10,000. Because it created so much confusion. Goodness. So how do we know which probate procedures to use in our office? Well, we have a system. Uh, We look at many factors, including has a will been made? Is there a will in another state? Or is the estate in a foreign country? Is there an urgent and immediate need for a personal representative or executor of the estate to be appointed. If there is a need for administration, are there debts that are not secured by real estate? Is there an independent executor without bond named in the will who is alive, willing, and qualified to serve? So like I said before, some executors that are nominated are not qualified, meaning they've had a problem in their history And the court says that it wouldn't be a good idea for them to be administrator of the estate. We also look at, will there be independent administration by agreement? Will the beneficiaries of the estate agree for somebody to be appointed? And if there's an executor named in the will, um, but is not designated to act independently... Um, then we have to look at other procedures. So if all of this sounds real familiar to something you could have gone through, your family members had a struggle with, 
you can visit our website, marcourtlawfirm.com. That's M-A-R-Q-U-A-R-D for David, T like tango, lawfirm.com. Or even call our voicemail and leave a message at 210-530-4278. We're going to come back and talk more about probate here on Talk Law Radio with Todd Marcourt. You've heard him on Talk Law Radio. Now work with his firm yourself. Marquardt Law Firm is the go-to firm in San Antonio for wills, trusts, and powers of attorney. Want to have a say on who will get your money and assets when you die instead of leaving it up to a judge? Then you need a proper estate plan in place, and Marquardt Law Firm can help you do just that. They can also develop a strategy for your long-term care financing and help maneuver the complicated Medicaid process for your family. Call them today to schedule your no-cost legal consultation. Call 210-530-4278. Again, that's 210-530-4278. Protect what's yours with Marquardt Law Firm. MarquardtLawFirm.com. And welcome back to Talk Law Radio with Todd Marquardt. Your co-host, Christiana Viega, is still here with Todd as we continue on about probate. Now, Todd... How do you go through the probate of a will? Well, you remember that old saying, where there's a will? There's a way. Yeah. Well, the AARP reported that a Caring.com survey found 58% of U.S. adults between the ages of 53 and 71 had a last will, living trust, or estate plan. So if you're one of those people that does not, Head on over to a place called Marquardt Law Firm. We might be able to help you with that. Find our directions if you use Google Maps. That's Marquardt, M-A-R-Q-U-A-R-D-T, website, MarquardtLawFirm.com. Our phones are still taking messages at 210-530-4278. So a lot of people just don't make their wills for various reasons. I know that I'm trying to figure out what am I going to have as a person to distribute just my drawings that I have saved up. Yeah, that's the executor. You want to name someone you trust, someone who's trustworthy, someone who's worthy of trust because you're not around to make sure that they're doing the right thing. They're going to be the ones in charge of wrapping up your affairs, paying your bills, and distributing your legacy to your loved ones. So a will is one way to do that. And what goes in your will depends on the type of assets you have, whether it's real property or personal property, who you want to receive your assets, whether it's your family, your friends, charities, churches, or colleges, And you can put stipulations in there controlling your assets from the grave, which might be a testamentary trust to protect inheritance uh, from divorcing spouses. It might be there to protect uh, disabled beneficiaries so that they can receive an inheritance without being disqualified from government benefits. So one example that I, I share, because I have a daughter is um, what happens if I pass away and my daughter inherits uh, property, 
Uh, but then she marries a jerk <laughs> later on. <laughs> well, I wouldn't want for him to take her inheritance. And so I'm going to protect her from any potential jerk in the future that might pop up. How can you even do that? Well, through those stipulations. We can put that in a will or a trust to make sure that somebody else is watching over her inheritance. Uh, If you have sons, I have two of them, I worry that my son might marry a witch. Have you known somebody who married a witch? All too often. Yeah, and you don't want her taking your son's inheritance and spending it on whatever she wants. Another issue that comes up is uh, what happens if your spouse gets remarried after you pass away? Now, I didn't think this was such a big deal until my friend from church, who's probably 50 years older than me, told me about what happened in his life. Well, uh, when his mother passed away, uh, she left everything to his father, which is sort of the natural order of things for most people. And he wasn't expecting anything because it was his parents' money and and they were going to need it to pay for their health care. But then his father met someone new and he wasn't too concerned about it because he wanted his dad to be happy. And if this new companion made him happy, that was fine. I was a caring son. Yeah, some children get all upset when their parents get remarried and some are okay with it. But when his dad passed away, he was a little bit upset that his dad left everything to this new wife. And not because he needed the money. He didn't. He had his own uh, retirement, his own savings. He just thought that it should stay in the family. He became really angry when his stepmother died and left everything to her kids, Mm. which included a lot of his dad's assets. So what do you think, Christiana, is the percentage of happily married individuals who were remarried within three years of the death of his or her spouse? Mm. Well, think about what are the chances of a happily married man getting remarried within three years of losing his wife. 50%. Actually, the statistics tell us it's closer to 90%. What? Uh, The theory goes that a happily married man enjoyed being married, and so he needs somebody to take care of him. Uh, That actually gives a lot of reasons of why they're so easy to get remarried. But what do you think the chances of a happily married woman getting remarried within three years of losing her husband? Well, considering their age, um, maybe 25%? Actually, it's much lower. They say that the only 10% of women who are happily married and lose their husband will get remarried within three years. And all the ladies that I've talked to say that they only needed one happy marriage, and then they were free to be single. (laughs) Uh, That's right, because then they don't have to take care of anyone else anymore. They're already living on their own. Another thing that you might want to think about is 
the way your beneficiary receives an inheritance could help that person. There was a a survey done uh, that says, do people save their inheritance or do they spend their inheritance? And so think about whether that's going to happen with your beneficiaries. So then have you encountered problems with any wills? We've seen a lot of wills, Christiana. Um, One within the last couple of years that I remember was a will, but it said living trust at the top. So the deceased person had seen an article in a magazine about living trusts, and she attempted to type out her own living trust. But the living trust named an independent executor, which is, makes it sound like a will instead of a trust. And so we had to probate that document that was titled Living Trust as a will because there were more uh, characteristics defining it as a will than as a living trust. Plus, there were no assets titled in the name of this trust. Oh. So that made it seem like it was a will also. Um, I've also probated a will that claimed to be a community property agreement. An attorney uh, practicing in the field of divorce had uh, typed this out and prepared it for the deceased person, and it was just bad. There was no witnesses. It was just notarized. But again, the court decided that it was a will. Uh, I've seen wills that said, I wish and hope for these things to happen, but really didn't meet the definition of a will. Uh, The court would say that there was no testamentary intent evidenced by the words used. So this is a time when I remind clients that words matter. And if you're going to write your own will, you need to pick up a copy of the Texas Estates Code so that you can follow all the requirements of a valid will. So it's not only what you say, but it's what you do to get the words you want to say on paper. If you need any help getting this put together or trying to figure out the aftermath of losing your loved one, we do help with consultations. Call our office at 210-530-4278. We'll get right back to you on Monday and do everything we can to help. So then... What other methods or problems have you had with wills? Well, if the will names an independent executor to serve without bond, it makes it easier. You still have to go to the probate court and prove up the will, but the court isn't going to bother you. It's not going to supervise you. Uh, The only people that could haul you back into court would be the creditors if they weren't paid or the beneficiaries if they didn't feel like they got their share. And so really, we just have to file an application for probate. We have to uh, get the proof of death and other facts signed in court and uh, get testimony in court. Uh, We also have uh, the executor sign an oath that says that they swear they'll do a good job. Uh, Their attorney will help, but it's the executor's oath to do a good job. Then they'll take an inventory of all the assets of the estate and uh, pay the bills and distribute whatever's left 
to the beneficiaries. That's a lot of steps. Yeah, that's a lot of steps, but it's uh, not quite as complicated as if you have to go through probate without a will. Oh, no. If you have no will, then the executor is probably going to have to post a bond, which is like an insurance policy. If you make a mistake or if you steal the assets, then the court is going to... um, require this insurance policy to pay the beneficiaries. And in addition to having to post a bond, you probably have to have airship, which is a judicial declaration of who your heirs are, those people who are related to you that would be entitled to receive assets in the case of no will. Well, we're going to come back and continue on with more about probate. We've really got to figure out what the worst case scenarios are if you don't have a will. So stay tuned. We'll be right back at Talk Law Radio with Todd Marquardt. And welcome back to Talk Law Radio with Todd Marquardt. Still here as your co-host, Christiana Villegas, and talking with Todd Marquardt about probates. And we've gone over what is probate, what do you do in order to probate a will. But now, if you don't have a will, Todd, what what should you expect? Well, you should expect for an attorney ad litem to be appointed by the court to verify the facts. He's going to check and see if there's any unknown heirs. An heir is a legal word that describes who would be entitled to inherit from you in the event that you don't have a will. So somebody that's related to you, maybe your kids, maybe your brother or sister, or maybe your parents. Do you know what a laughing heir is? No, I don't believe I have. A laughing heir is somebody who inherits from you that you didn't even know. And so they're not sad that you died. In fact, they're laughing because they're receiving money and it's like a windfall. They didn't expect it. And how many Hollywood movies do we see out there where there's always somebody who comes into luck because of the rich uncle that they never knew? That's the case. That's a laughing heir. And so it's this uh, attorney appointed by the court to interview people and witnesses and neighbors and friends and coworkers to find out if there's any other children or any other spouses that you haven't yet disclosed. And that's the part that's sort of embarrassing and difficult to get people into the court to testify about those things. And you can avoid all that by having a professional and comprehensive last will, living trust, or estate plan prepared by an attorney. Can't you get that done at Marquardt Law Firm? Yes. So if you need to schedule an appointment, get a free consultation, visit our website at marquardtlawfirm.com. That's M-A-R-Q-U-A-R-D like David, T like Tango, lawfirm.com or leave a voicemail at our office 210 530 
4278. And we'll get right back to you on Monday and help you through our process of setting up that meeting with our great attorneys here at Marquardt Law Firm. But still on the air right now, this is Talk Law Radio with Todd Marquardt. What methods can be done to get that will done effectively? Well, we want to prevent problems if we can. Uh, there's there's three things that we look at for everyone that we serve at Moorcourt Law Firm, and that's tax efficiently protecting and preserving assets, reducing family conflict, and maximizing government benefits. I want to talk about a case study where uh, an individual had made multiple wills throughout his life, uh, changed his mind a couple of times, and there was a will contest. This is a a case that uh, went all the way to the Court of Appeals for the 2nd Appellate District of Texas in Fort Worth. This is a a recent opinion, and it's about an individual that had three sons and one daughter. He made a will in 2013, which divided his estate equally among his four children. He had a will in 2015, which we don't know much about, and he made another will in 2016, and it's this will that generates some of the controversy. He left everything to one of his sons and two of his grandsons in equal shares in fee simple absolute. That's just some legal jargon. Mm -hmm. Then, later in 2017, he made a general warranty deed to convey a one-acre parcel of property to his daughter and then reserved his right to live there for the rest of his life. Later that year, he died. There was a will contest, uh, not not just over the will, but there was a, a contest to this deed. So the daughter was contesting the will, and the the son and the grandsons were contesting the deed. And the unanimous jury found that the grandsons and the son did not procure uh, the decedent's uh, will by undue influence, that the deceased person had testamentary capacity when he executed the 2016 will. The jury found that the daughter had the deed made through fraud and undue influence and that the deceased person did not have mental capacity to sign that deed. It did seem a bit suspicious. So nothing's foolproof. You want to go to a good estate planning attorney who is going to help you craft and draft a comprehensive and professional plan. Well, better safe than sorry, and start writing down your list on paper, at least. That brings up the question, how do we avoid this probate process altogether? There's a way to do that? Well, there's many ways, and uh, some people say that a good way to do that would be pay on death or transfer on death beneficiaries for your bank accounts. Uh, You think it's so easy to do that, and it is. But is it the best thing for you and for your beneficiaries? That 
should be determined by talking with an attorney about this. Not just the banker who doesn't do estate planning. They're just there to set up accounts. So you want to think through this with someone who's been around the block a time or two. Um, One of the big problems that can come up is contingency beneficiaries. What if uh, the beneficiary you name as pay on death or transfer on death is disabled or dies? They could possibly lose their government benefits. They could possibly need a guardianship in order to collect that money. Or they might have to go through a complicated probate process uh, just for some contingency beneficiary to receive the assets. Some pay-on-death accounts don't have a provision on the account form for a contingent beneficiary. Now, I know that some probably do, but that's what you're going to have to figure out with your banker or life insurance agent if you don't want to visit with an attorney. Another big problem that can come up is, like I said, if the beneficiary is substantially unable to make legal and financial decisions because the beneficiary had a heart attack, stroke, or suffers from dementia or Alzheimer's. And what if you want to make a change to the beneficiary designation uh, and, and you're stuck with it because you've got Alzheimer's or dementia? So while you're alive and healthy, you return the right, retain the right to make beneficiary changes to your checking and savings account. But you lose that right to make changes if you're substantially unable to make your own decision because of some accident or illness. Well, what about if somebody's making their will while they're in an emotional state? Well, that could pose a problem. Uh, you're, you're bringing up the issue of testamentary capacity or undue influence. And uh, we'll have to talk more in depth about those two issues in, in a later show. But I like the way you think. I mean, all too often you hear that somebody's going to get mad. I'm going to write you out of my will. Yeah, and you can. When people are looking at whether they want to uh, do transfer on death or pay on death beneficiaries, I always ask them uh, some of these questions. Uh, Do you want your estate planning to be simple for your beneficiaries to carry out? Do you want to keep the property and the family? Do you have children from a prior relationship? Does your spouse have children from a prior relationship? Are you worried that your assets that you have worked hard to accumulate might be used to enrich a replacement spouse? Would the beneficiaries of your property be good business partners? Are you planning for government benefits to pay for your long-term assisted or nursing home care? Are any of your beneficiaries disabled, incapacitated, or receiving means-tested government benefits? Would your beneficiaries... Use your financial legacy for positive purposes or negative purposes. My dad always said, more money makes you more of what you already are. And if your beneficiary has an unhealthy addiction to alcohol, drugs, or gambling, then that inheritance might be used for the wrong thing. Finally, does the value of your family business uh, retirement fund Savings in real estate equal or exceed 
Eleven and a half million dollars. Eleven and a half million. If so, get yourself to an estate planning attorney. And by the way, I wanted to mention that uh, probate self uh, analysis checklist that we can send to everybody. You can contact us at two one zero five three zero four two seven eight. Leave a voicemail and we can get right to you on Monday and send you that information or visit the website marcourtlawfirm.com. M-A-R-Q-U-A-R-D like David, T like Tango, lawfirm.com. So what's the problem with a transfer on death deed? So I'm glad you asked. Just like with transfer on death bank accounts, you can have a transfer on death deed in which you name a beneficiary to own that real property after death. This was established in Texas Estates Code Chapter 114. The problem is that the form, there used to be a statutory form, was repealed in the last legislature. So the legislature is directing the Texas Supreme Court to create a new form. And I think the problem is, is that there were some life insurance agents out there going around town selling this form and pretending to be attorneys. We're going to have to dig more into this, Todd. Stay tuned. Don't change that channel. You're going to come back to Talk Law Radio with Todd Marquardt. You've heard him on Talk Law Radio. Now work with his firm yourself. Marquardt Law Firm is the go-to firm in San Antonio for wills, trusts, and powers of attorney. Want to have a say on who will get your money and assets when you die instead of leaving it up to a judge? Then you need a proper estate plan in place, and Marquardt Law Firm can help you do just that. They can also develop a strategy for your long-term care financing and help maneuver the complicated Medicaid process for your family. Call them today to schedule your no-cost legal consultation. Call 210-530-4278. Again, that's 210-530-4278. Protect what's yours with Marquardt Law Firm. MarquardtLawFirm.com. Welcome back to Talk Law Radio with Todd Marquardt. Here with Todd Marquardt and I'm Christiana Viegas. Today we've been going over probate. A lot of red flags have been going on of what to do if you don't have a will and if you do have one. But right now, Todd, you were telling us more about living trust. Well, we were talking about how do we bypass probate. And the living trust is a great way to do that. We call it living because you can create it and use it while you're still alive. It's different from a will which we already said, two things have to happen in order for a will to be useful, is one, you have to die, and two, a judge has to look at it. Well, a living trust you can use while you're still alive, and it requires no judicial supervision whatsoever. And so people like that because it will avoid probate, and it's trusted by banks and other financial institutions, and so it also helps to secure your privacy. It's a way to control your assets under a different name. And the great thing is that you still get to use these assets even while they're in the trust. So you can enjoy your assets just like you always have, 
to pay for your lifestyle. Another great thing is your tax situation doesn't change. The IRS calls it a grantor trust under Internal Revenue Code Section 671 to 677 and Regulation Section 301.6109. The state property tax exemptions still apply. They call it a qualifying trust, which is defined and described in Section 11.13J of the Texas Tax Code and Section 41.0021 of the Texas Property Code. That sounds like you're going to need to have an attorney to sit down with and go over what qualifies you to get a trust done, right? Yes. The The great thing about a living trust is, of course, it, it bypasses probate, and it helps you ensure your privacy because it doesn't get filed like a will does. And uh, some people want to make things easy for their beneficiaries after they're gone. Generally speaking, it's more work for the deceased person to create um, because you're going to create this new entity and you're going to transfer all of your assets except for some specific assets like IRAs and 401ks. We don't change the title on those. And so it's sort of like probating your estate while you're still alive. So dying can never really be that easy, can it, Todd? Mm -hmm. No. In fact, I would say you have a responsibility, the more you have, to protect it and take care of it. Sort of like what they said in the Spider-Man movie, with great power comes great responsibility. Well, with a great estate comes greater responsibility, too. In the living trust, I like to include um, extra provisions to make sure that your wishes are followed. Uh, Last week, or a few weeks ago, we talked about the take care of clause, how you can decide to manage your affairs and uh, take care of yourself if you become incapacitated or disabled. Would you want to live at home with a caregiver if you needed help with assistance with activities of daily living? Or would you want to live in the nicest retirement in town? Or would you want to save the most money and uh, apply for government benefits like Medicaid if you had to be in a nursing home so that you could leave a legacy to your beneficiaries? We can put all of your goals and intentions in the take care of clause to make sure that it's legally enforceable. And you name a trustee, a successor trustee, to carry out those wishes. So the creator of the trust is usually the first trustee of the trust, and then you name a successor trustee who's going to take over if you're incapacitated or disabled and to take over if uh, you pass away. So again, I always recommend that you name somebody you trust, someone who's trustworthy, and someone who's worthy of trust. Somebody who has fewer problems than you. Someone who pays their bills, pays their taxes, and generally has their stuff together. So that would be a good successor trustee. Remember, I just said they would 
take over if you became incapacitated or disabled. Well, how do we determine if we're incapacitated or disabled? We not, might not realize that this is happening. Well, I seem to remember when I was with my grandmother-in-law and we didn't know if she had a will or not and she wasn't exactly in her right mind. She kept trying to give away everything. She tried to give away some of her clothes, her jewelry, her TV set. So how do you make sure that everything stays in order? Well, if you think somebody might be slipping, as they say, or if you think that they've lost their capacity, I suggest um, taking them to the doctor. And the number one problem that people tell me about when they're trying to take their loved one to the doctor is that their loved one doesn't want to go. They know that that's what the visit is for, for them to be declared incapacitated. And even if they've lost capacity, they still have this idea that uh, maybe it would be a bad idea to start seeing the doctor. Ah, denial. Not just a river in Egypt, folks. That's right. (laughs) So if you want to plan in advance to make things easy to determine whether or not you have capacity, I like to include something called a disability panel in the living trust. And then you can decide who's going to be on the disability panel. So it could be somebody different than you've chosen for your trustee. And it could be a a whole committee of people. And you can include in that committee a physician or multiple physicians. And when everybody in the committee agrees or when the majority of them agree that you meet the definition of disability or incapacity, then that's when it officially is determined that you're incapacitated and the other trustee can start their work. So a disability panel helps to preserve your dignity because you don't have to be marched into the guardianship court to have you declared in front of everybody that you've lost capacity. So it helps preserve your privacy and your dignity. This is just one of the many benefits of having a living trust. You have the uh, disability panel, you have the take care of clause, and then you can also put in those stipulations that we talked about before so the person that your daughter marries, even if they're a jerk, <laughs> they don't have to end up with all of your assets. Or if it's uh, the person that your son marries, the witch doesn't end up with your hard uh, worked for assets either. And you can have uh, this trust go beyond the lives of your children to maybe even your grandchildren. Texas does have a rule against perpetuities, though, and so someday some person is going to end up with whatever's left. That is a lot of steps to go through, and this is probate. This is what happens when you pass away, and hearing a lot of things that can be done to help prevent all of that headache, you can contact us at marcourtlawfirm.com. Enter in your information. We can help you set up a consultation when you go to M-A-R-Q-U-A-R-D like David, T like Tango, lawfirm.com, or leave a voicemail at our office, 210 
530-4278. We are always checking our voicemails, so we will get to you when we can. And they can request the probate self-analysis. Absolutely. Go through that. Do your checklist. Make sure, are you going through any of these problems, or what can you do to prevent it? So... You're probably thinking, well, what happens after I die? So I have this living trust. How does everything get wrapped up after I die? Well, the successor trustee is going to have to do a lot of the same things that an executor would have to do. They have to wrap up your affairs, pay your bills, and distribute whatever's left to the beneficiaries. But they can do so without judicial supervision. So you have the added benefit of just meeting with the attorney and talking about these issues around the conference table instead of having to drive downtown, find a parking place, walk over to the court, and wait for your turn to see the judge. I've heard that these probates can take years, Todd. Is there any way to go through quicker steps? Yes, it's much quicker to administer a living trust because you don't have all the delays of the court system. And generally speaking, you're going to do a lot of the same things. You're going to get the death certificate. You're going to create a new certification of trust that says that you've taken over, that you're in charge now. And then you'll have to bring those things to the banks or or different accounts around town or financial institutions. You may have to send it off to uh, life insurance companies. And you're going to marshal the assets, so to speak, uh, just like you would if you were executor of the estate. But again, without judicial supervision. So you have retained your dignity and your privacy, and you're not going to be having to go downtown to the court. Well, don't try and do a living trust on your own. Please contact us at Marcourt Law Firm and dial 210-530-4278. Set up a consultation. Remember to call us. This is Talk Law Radio with Todd Marcourt. Thanks again, Todd. Thanks. Thanks.